Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. But the six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise. The fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. The air had been sucked out of the Heinz Field crowd. The Steelers faithful, about 60,000 strong, had just watched their listless offense go three and out on the second possession of overtime against the Seahawks, forcing rookie Presley Harvin III's seventh punt of the night. With Seattle taking over and only 4.27 left on the clock, even forcing a three and out would leave little time to mount a game-winning drive. No, at this moment, a tie with the Geno Smith-led underdog Seahawks seemed like a best-case scenario for the Steelers. For every NFL team, the quarterback is the most important and impactful player on the roster, the one capable of single-handedly carrying a team to victory. You can count on one hand the number of non-quarterbacks who do the same. T.J. Watt is one of them. On the first play of that Seahawks drive, Smith stepped up in the pocket, looking for a running lane. Watt did what he does best, the most valuable thing any defensive player can do in the modern NFL. He zeroed in on the ball and got it back. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL podcast. I'm Gary Gramling. And I'm Jenny Brentis. And Jenny, of course, we know the rest of the story now, at least from Sunday night. 
TJ Watt forces the fumble on Geno Smith. Devin Bush falls on it. The Steelers, instead of trying to hold on for a tie or maybe a desperation last-second field goal, they end up getting a short kick to win it and hold on for that victory against the Seahawks. But uh, that TJ Watt play is what we're here to talk about and sort of the broader art of forcing the turnover in the modern NFL when right now it is more difficult than ever to take the ball away. Yeah, and last year, Gary, you had a great idea to delve into this issue. Basically, turnovers have been on a steady decline since the high water mark in 1950. And at that point, there was an average of about seven and a half turnovers per game, both teams combined. And they have just plunged. There are actually now just seven seasons that featured an average of fewer than three takeaways per game, the seven most recent seasons. And despite the fact that it seems like turnovers have been really common this year, Gary, it's still at a low rate. And right now there have been 235 takeaways this season in 94 games, an average of two and a half per game. So if you are a player that can create these turnovers, especially in an era in the NFL when all of the rule changes favor offenses, this is really the best weapon that a defensive player or defense overall can have. And it's why Watt is the highest defensive play paid defensive player in the league right now, or one of the reasons. Obviously, he's good at a lot of things on the field, but he made taking the ball away a focus of his. It's something that he learned. It's something that he practices, and he looks for any advantage he can get to be able to make a game-winning stop like the one he did on Sunday night. I'm not saying I don't believe you, Jenny, but I am utterly stunned that we have a a record low pace of turnovers yet again this year. I guess the ones that have happened have just been such highlight reel moments, which uh, one, you know, when, when you get like a Trayvon Diggs uh, late pick six, I guess that's a that's a big moment. But uh, also they just happen so rarely. Maybe that's why they, they stick out in our minds a little bit more these days. Yeah, and there have also been so many close games this season where we've been really watching every play and things are down to the wire and it's natural for turnovers to stick in our minds a little bit more or be more prominent in those situations rather than a blowout game where the losing quarterback throws the ball up a bunch of times, right? You know, so I think that's part of the reason why the ones that there have been have have stood out more. And it's also because there are some really great players that have been major storylines so far this season, Watt and Trevon Diggs, obviously, who have been excellent at this. Boy, so as far as how defenses are taking the ball away when they actually get the opportunity to, you know, we we do see sometimes an offense will just make a mistake. A quarterback uh, fires high and wide on a throw or misreads a defense or or maybe just a, a fumbled snap that sort of leads to chaos. You know, pass rushes can can do a lot to uh, to cause takeaways in in the NFL right now. But when you're talking about Watt, it's just so unique because he's one of the few guys who he literally takes the ball away. He is he has elevated this thing to to almost both a science and an art, the ability to force these fumbles. Yeah, and a really great point you made when we did the story last year that has stuck in my mind is just how impactful a strip sack is or any kind of forced fumble because you're getting the ball where it happens versus an interception 
oftentimes the quarterback is throwing it downfield. So there is a little bit of a flip in field position. But when you force the ball out, you get it right there and it can really set up a score or, you know, obviously in the case of uh, the Steelers game, it was the game clinching play. But a lot of times if it happens in the, in the flow of a game and your defense is trying to get an edge, you put your offense in a really great position to score. For Watt, this skill of his really started taking off as did his career in his second season. And that's when Mike Tomlin had him switch sides. So he and Bud Dupree, who was then his teammate, swapped. Watt had lined up mostly on the right side or almost exclusively on the right side as a rookie, uh, but they thought he would be a mismatch against the league's right tackles. And the part of that was that he could see the quarterback's eyes better because of the way that quarterbacks drop when they're right-handers. And he could bat passes down, and he could see the football when he was rushing, which allowed him to go after the ball a little bit more. He also, which I think is interesting in this larger conversation about turnovers, used to be an offensive player. He started his career at Wisconsin as a tight end. And so when he was studying film, he drew on that experience as once having been a person who was carrying and trying to advance the ball and saw that, wow, there's a lot of times when the ball carrier is really vulnerable and I can go for the ball here. So he started practicing that and doing it in practice, annoying his running back teammates, of course, but he started trying to home in on those situations where the ball, there might be a gap where he could squirt the ball out or that player's elbow might drift away from his body. Different cases like that. Aesthetically, that punch just looks absurd. And he's not the only one who does it. I mean, you can go back to, to Peanut Tillman with mm-hmm. uh, with with a punch-out move there. But especially when you see on, like, Sunday night, uh, you know, there's there's a run near the goal line, and he's trying to punch the ball out. And he's, he's kind of he's, – he's not punching terribly accurately. He's kind of landing haymakers on someone's helmet, and uh, he got flagged for it. But, yeah, it is just yeah. – it's such a violent-looking thing to do on the football field. Yeah, I mean, the joke from his coaches was that when he punches and he hits a little too low in practice, he finds some other balls. And certainly opposing players have been the recipients of off-target punches. And as you mentioned, it was sort of a, a viral clip on Sunday night. And if you know the way that Watt plays the game, you know that he was trying to punch the ball out. But at times, the punch is, as you mentioned, not especially accurate or you're just kind of flailing and doing everything you can <laughs> to get the, the ball out. And so it can sometimes cross over into flag territory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up his offensive background because if you're talking about the guys in the NFL in 2021 who have really taken the takeaway to the next level... Trayvon Diggs is the other guy at this point. He has seven interceptions in six games, and he is also a former offensive player. He was a highly recruited wide receiver, switched to defensive back at the University of Alabama. But, uh, I mean, clearly you're, you're seeing these ball skills translate to the defensive side of the ball with him. And to be able to pick off a pass, you have to do a lot of things right on the play. First of all, you can't get a penalty, which is much harder than it was back Mm -hmm. in the 50s. Second of all, you have to be fast and be in good position. 
with the receiver that you're covering. And the third thing is you have to have good ball skills. And really, Diggs has had all of those things. And I think it's hard not to think that his background as a receiver, where you learn how to high point the ball and catch the football all the way through to the ground, all of those things have allowed him to make seven interceptions already in six games. And that is such a remarkable stat, Gary, because even now, the single season record for interceptions has held up since 1952 when Dick Night Train Lane had 14 interceptions. Xavier Howard, we saw, had an excellent year last year with 10. Before that, no one had even had 10 in a season since 2007. So that really highlights just how exceptional what Diggs has been able to do this season as far as taking away the football. Boy, I, that 14 interceptions for uh, Night Train Lane, I thought that was one that would never be broken. That's just one of those, that's in a cross-eras record where it's almost like you you almost put an asterisk on it because it's like, well, game was played different back then, so of course no one's ever going to threaten this record. But uh, we will see with Diggs. One thing that is really interesting, and we're just talking about counting stats at this point, which are, are, are fun. Uh, one thing that's really interesting with Diggs is like you saw the Patriots after the pick six on Sunday to give the Cowboys the lead in the final minutes there, they went right back after Diggs because they know how aggressive he is and they know that maybe he's susceptible to a double move coming off that pick six. So, I mean, he might have enough opportunities to end up making a run at 14 when it's all said and done here. Though still, uh, he'd have to get, what, seven more in 11 games here, which is still an incredible rate. Yeah, I mean, he's been obviously averaging at least one per game so far. But I think you make a really good point, Gary, in that taking the ball away is so important in today's game because it's become harder than ever. But it's still only one aspect of playing cornerback. And plays like that double move against the Patriots where you could tell he was fuming on the sideline and Maybe the safety should have also played that a little bit differently. But after the game, Diggs, to his credit, put it all on himself. He said he needed to play it the right way and be in the right position. Um, But, you know, is some of that aggressiveness tamped down a little bit? Uh, You know, did a play like that sort of force him to do that? Or is that going to be something that he'll talk about with his coaches? I mean, the best all-around season I've seen from a cornerback was Darrell Revis in 2009 with the Jets. And I have only been covering the NFL since about 2007, so I know there were a lot of seasons before then. But what Revis did that season was remarkable in taking the assignment of basically one-on-one man coverage with the opponent's top receiver with no help over the top in a lot of situations and just blanketing them. And he only had six interceptions that season because his coverage was so good. So there is an interesting interplay that the best cornerback might not have the most interceptions. At the same time, you can look at what Diggs is doing and saying, this is exceptional and nobody has really challenged that remarkable high watermark for interceptions and he might be the guy to do it. It is, and sometimes we just we we take those ball skills for granted uh, when it comes to defensive backs. And you could even look at Sunday night. Uh, you know, there was a there was a play where not to pick on Jamal Adams, he has had a, a rough season and a half here in Seattle. But uh, Ben Roethlisberger with miscommunication with the receiver ends up uncorking a pass that hits Adams directly in the face and just falls to the ground. He never even got his hands up to even 
have a chance to intercept the pass. And, you know, you saw a couple of teammates as the ball fell to the ground, just sort of throwing their hands up in frustration. Like that was, that was a free one. <laughs> you you have to catch those uh, because it's, it's just so difficult to get off the field right now for NFL defenses. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's a saying that a lot of defenses use, and I'm pretty sure Lewis Riddick, who is a former defensive back, has used it on Monday Night Football. Uh, tips and overthrows, you got to get those because there just aren't that many opportunities, right? And so for Adams, that was a wide open free opportunity. Uh, and, you know, it makes you question when a player can't get that interception, how multidimensional really they are. I mean, it's, you know, something that's come up with Adams and certainly that play reinforced that notion. The other thing I kind of wonder about, and this is a topic we're going to do a show on very soon here, is the ramped up aggressiveness on fourth downs across the NFL right now. And that's just one more way that offenses are staying on the field and and defenses are not able to get off the field when, uh, you know, that that sort of feeling of relief after getting a stop on third down that kind of goes out the window when it's a fourth and two or fourth and three around midfield now. And it seems like it's it's almost a foregone conclusion that you're going to have to get one more stop now. You, you have to stop teams uh, from getting their 10 yards over four plays instead of three in a lot of cases. And I don't know, it just it makes those takeaways so much more valuable. I think it's interesting, Gary, because we've seen over the course of NFL history that there have been certain changes that have really affected defense's ability to defend. In 1979, the year after the league instituted the five-yard chuck rule and also Mm -hmm. gave offensive linemen more allowances while pass blocking, we saw the interception rate plunge that year. More recently, we've seen the efforts to restrict contact in the name of player safety, which is very important. Defenseless receiver protections, uh, stringent roughing the passer provisions, those have reduced and eliminated some of the blows that would often pop out the fall. And so now you wonder, is the new aggressiveness of offenses and more coaches playing as if it really is four down football and saying, if you have a really good offensive player, there's no way you're going to stop my quarterback from getting 10 yards in four tries, so I'm just going to keep my offense out there. Is this another one of those benchmarks that can make things even harder for defenses? I think this correlation gets played up a little too much sometimes. Uh, you know, turnover differential is sort of the the ultimate stat because look, it, there's always a risk reward factor here uh, as far as you know when it comes to offenses and and uh, the potential to lose a turnover at this point. But uh, if you do look at the league, it, it, I mean, it's it's year in and year out, and especially when you look at this year. Uh, right now, the leaders in turnover differential, you have the Bills at plus eleven. Uh, the Cardinals at plus eight, and the Cowboys at plus seven, and then the Colts at plus seven. So maybe this is a little bit worrisome for Colts fans at this point. But, uh, I, you know, it, especially when you talk about a team like the Cowboys, who had so much trouble taking the ball away, especially early last season as they transitioned to that new defensive system, uh, it really is, uh, you know, 
how much better is this defense truly? It's definitely better, but is it the miles better that it feels like at this moment? Or are they simply just getting better at, at taking the ball away? And that's sort of making all the difference for them, uh, you know, six games into the 2021 season. Yeah, I think sometimes your ability to force takeaways can cover other flaws in a defense. And again, that's why it's so important to be able to do it. But there is some luck. Uh, it's an oblong football that bounces funny. And there is some bounce of the ball that occurs with ta- getting takeaways. I mean, you can force a fumble, but not recover it, for instance. And th- thus, it's not a takeaway, right? So uh, if things even out over time, you still have to have the good core defensive principles. But I think you make a really good point, Gary, that if you're a defense that's going through a transition, like the Cowboys are, I mean, they had a historically bad defense last year. They've been a lot better so far under Dan Quinn, but it always takes a while to get used to a new scheme and get really comfortable in it. Oftentimes taking the ball away can kind of bolster you as you go through that transition period. They do. They have multiple takeaways in all six of their games so far this season. They had they had a total of six games with multiple takeaways last year, and uh, they didn't get their first one until November first. So wow. it's it's just it's a new day here for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott is back, uh, and yeah, this is you got to be feeling good if you're down in Dallas right now. Yeah. One of the things that came up when we reported the T.J. Watt story last year that was kind of cheesy, but in an endearing way, and that has always stuck with me, is that Mike Tomlin likes to refer to the ball as his team's hopes and dreams. And it basically reinforces to your players how important the ball is. So if you are carrying the ball, you have the hopes and dreams in your your arm and your grasp. You can't let them go. And if you're on defense, you're trying very hard to get the hopes and dreams back. And Certainly, that situation with Watt at the end of the game. I mean, the Steelers had their backs up against the wall. They're worried the season is slipping away. On their way to a tie with the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. And TJ Watt is able to snatch the hopes and dreams back for his team. So I think it's a pretty apt analogy. matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 
Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com slash iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.